I'm Dr. Terry Fisher, a physician and voice technology futurist. Voice First Technology is rapidly becoming the operating system of our lives, and it will completely revolutionize the way we experience healthcare. Let's talk voice. Hello there, and welcome to Voice First Health, episode 55. We are talking about a topic that I am incredibly interested in, and that is the area of using voice to parse out meaning behind the words that you were saying, not just the what the words are themselves, but the meaning behind the words. What does it sound like if you are feeling depressed, and how can you use that to perhaps predict suicidal risk? And to cover that topic, we have an expert in this field on the podcast today, Rana Gujral who is with Behavioral Signals, and their company is doing exactly that. They're looking at the intention behind the words that somebody is speaking. They use this in uh, financial sectors. They use this as well now in the healthcare sector, and they are gradually building out this technology to be able to help a person to understand the meaning behind what they're saying. We get into some very interesting discussions in particular about suicide risk. We talk about the ethics behind what happens when an AI is actually giving you the meaning of what a person is saying? Very interesting discussion. So uh, let's get right to it. I want to welcome Rana onto the podcast. Hey there, Rana. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, I've been very excited to chat with you, and uh, it's wonderful to have this opportunity. Thank you. It's a, it's a real pleasure. Uh, thank you for having me on the show, Terry. You are a very interesting guy. You have done a lot of very interesting things uh, when I was looking over through your background, and uh, we're going to get into uh, some things in particular. But before we get to that, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your background? What have you been up to, and uh, you know, what's your story? Uh-huh. Well, I've been up to a whole bunch of things. Uh, I've had a fairly interesting journey. I, I spent my early years, uh, mostly in corporate setups, uh, building a variety of uh, software products, hardware products. Uh, it, it's some really exciting journeys. Uh, back in the day, I helped build the, the time clock business uh, for uh, Kronos, which is, uh, which is an East Coast company, uh, and was very proud to bring some really compelling innovations to their, uh, to their, mar- to, to their product portfolio by bringing in biometrics, et cetera. It was very successful. Uh, then at Logitech, worked on a variety of different product lines, uh, primarily Harmony remotes and uh, sort of the, the cloud business related to Harmony. I was involved in leading the Google TV launch, which was a very, very exciting play. This is before the smart TVs were smart, and Google had come out with the first Android TV stack, and we, we were responsible to bring that into market uh, as, as in the form of a set-top box. Uh, it was very exciting. Wow. Then um, I had a had an exciting opportunity to go turn around a bankrupt tech company. This was around uh, 2012, and so this tech company uh, was an iconic company in its niche play of uh, building devices and software ecosystems for creators, uh, who people who like to design things on the fly and makers, essentially the DIY movement. And uh, this company had shrunk from um, its heyday of uh, almost uh, you know several hundred millions in sales to. At 2012, it was bankrupt with, uh, with, with hundreds of millions of debt and uh, it was actually insolvent. I can't really share the details of sort of where it was, but it was a real crisis. Wow. So I took it over, um, got it from um, at that position of sort of uh, close to uh, losing close to 100 million every year to 
uh, you know, positive numbers and profitability in a little bit of two and a half years, bought a compelling set of innovations to market. And uh, that that was a successful turnaround, a very incredible uh, learning journey uh, as part of that whole process. And uh, right after that, I did my startup ties where uh, we built a very specialized deal flow engine uh, catered to the specialty chemicals market. And uh, the, the, the goal really was to use machine learning to predict uh, the commodity prices uh, three months out in the future in the spot market. That, that was a very essential piece of data that, that, uh, that those uh, companies used for decision making. Wow. And uh, we, we, also, we also sort of streamlined the basic processes, which uh, were very complex, but most of the companies were using essentially spreadsheet. And we, we figured there was, a, there was a play there and there was an opportunity to go after. Um, incredible journey, and uh, after my exit in December of 2016, uh, I, I went back to uh, mostly investing and uh, doing some other interesting explorations around incubators and accelerate, accelerators, um, and uh, went back to Logitech uh, to do Smart Home 2.0, and, uh, and then um, you know I was introduced to Behavioral Signals, which has uh, been an incredible journey so far. Um, and I've been I've been with the company since December 2018, uh, leading the charge to be the leader in deducing intelligent insights from voice, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a, it's been a really really fun play. That is quite a background. That's uh, it's it's great, and it, and you obviously you have so many uh, life experiences and skills that you can bring to this new venture. Let's talk about this now a little bit more about voice. What got you interested in voice? and made you decide to join behavioral signals yeah that's that's a great question so you know i've been following the space for for a while i've been fascinated in general by ai but within the spectrum of ai just sort of just sort of the the whole uh, advent of voice interactions and it, it's needless to say it's 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 primal. It's it's an it's, it's an essential element of uh, experience of interaction, which is now come into coming into existence in 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 multiple domains. So how we interact with our devices, how we interact with uh, you know uh, our, our automobiles, or in general, including our software systems, and so. Uh, it, it's sort of the most natural way for us as humans to interact with others. And now that's uh, sort of uh, spreading into uh, other domains of interaction. And so there's been a lot of progress there. And so if you kind of look at sort of how this industry's uh, progressed over the last, I'd say, decade or so, um, not too far back. I mean, I'd say, you know, five to seven years ago, we were speaking to... NLP or speech to text as as a cutting edge technology. We were really like enamored by oh wow, that's amazing. You can take audio, convert that into words, and that, that's, that's, that's cutting edge. Right. So uh, that 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 fast forward into now into 2019, uh, almost 2020, but it, it's um, it's it's really a commoditized tech. I mean, uh, it's no longer considered cutting edge. It's 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 very accurate. There's a lot of solutions in the market, and you can you can bet on the fact that it'll be super accurate. And there've been brilliant uh, business models built on top of it. So that piece has largely been solved for. Now the other piece, which has been sort of uh, progressing along, is hey, 
um, sort of the domains, the specific domain models, which is, hey, is, um, I'm, there's a conversation happening between, say, a doctor and a patient, which you're very familiar with. Um, hey, can I understand the specifics of that conversation? And, well, you could translate the actual words, uh, the audio into words, but do you still understand what's happening? Uh, you, you don't, you won't, unless you understand the specific domain context of what a doctor talks to a patient about and what a patient talks to a doctor about and and what, how those words and those conversations play into the dynamics of the conversation. So the specific domain models uh, ha have been uh, you know eluding us over the last uh, several years. Uh, but there's been a lot of work that's been done um, to to uh, to understand those specific domains and and build those specific contextual models around those specific interactions, whether it's a spousal conversation or is a conversation between a doctor or a lawyer or is a conversation between a debt holder or a debt collector. I'd say that's also largely been solved for. I mean, it's still been uh, worked on, but it's getting there. What's eluding us is um, sort of the sort of the you know the, the the state of the mind and the meaning behind the words. So it's not just how something is being said, but uh, sorry, how what is being said, but how something is being said, and that is really where the the most of the magic is. And uh, for for behavioral signals, that's been that's been the charter, which is let's get behind the words, let's de deduce intelligent and actionable insights, uh, not necessarily from the actual words that are being used, but uh, how those words are being spoken, and what does that say to the 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 state of mind of of the participants and sort of the emotional and the behavioral map of the participants, and what does that tell us about the conversation? And so we've been like we've been uh, on a journey to sort of unravel that. I mean, our founders are uh, amazing academics uh, who've spent over uh, you know two decades uh, in, in researching very specific nuances of voice interactions and tonality and uh, other aspects of uh, dynamics of a conversation. And so we've taken all of our learnings and all of our uh, capabilities that we put together around reducing these signals and brought it together. And now what we're doing is we're applying that towards some really interesting use cases. So for me, um, someone who's been fascinated by AI and certainly fascinated by voice AI, this is the, I mean, this is the holy grail. This is the, this is sort of uh, the, the, the aspect of voice interactions that's been uh, essentially, I'd say, uh, a it is going to be a game changer. It is a game changer today uh, in, in many different ways, and we can talk about it. And I think this is also um, an aspect of um, the voice interaction that has been holding the whole interaction piece back. Um, so, real quick, like so, for example, let me give you an example. Yes, I mean you're familiar. You're, you're familiar with. Uh, voice assistants, like uh, everyone is, it, they're all over, yeah. right? So, um, if you were to ask me a question now, as a fellow human, I mean, you're, we're talking, and I'd say, "Hey, Rana, would you like to do this?" Simple question, and I say, uh, I respond back in uh, with uh, a very sarcastic no. And uh, so you you hear what I'm saying, uh, you know what no means, uh, mm -hmm. but you can sense sarcasm. It's mm -hmm. natural for us as humans to detect that. And so your natural response there would be, okay, maybe now is not a good time. Because I'm saying, uh, sorry, I, 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 I got it wrong. I'm saying, if I say yes, uh, but with sarcasm, uh, you know, you know what yes means, but uh, um, you know uh, that uh, I don't really mean it. Right. Now, so that's a very simple 
uh, question uh, with a very simple response. Uh, how does that interaction look like in a uh, hundred million, multi hundred million dollar project uh, with, with uh, like 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 saying Google's out there? Um, that 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 interaction uh, just doesn't exist. So if a voice assistant speaks to you uh, and asks you that question, uh, and you respond respond back with a very sarcastic yes, um, you know the voice assistant assistant has no clue and typically would respond back with, okay, great, let's do it. And therein lies the whole uh, sort of, uh, I'd, I'd say, the gap in making that conversation more natural or taking it to the next level, which is uh, what's eluding us uh, today in terms of how we interact with devices, how we interact with automobiles, and how we interact with voice assistants in general. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I think uh, I think there's uh, there's a there's a ton of opportunity, and it's it's a fantastic um, it's a fantastic set of problems to go and solve for. Yeah. Wow. So much there. There's so much to unpack there. Um, it, it is a remarkable uh, time. And I agree with you. This is where a lot of the magic happens. And it's funny you use the words holy grail because I've often used those words as well. The holy grail as far as a, as, as a, as a physician, being able to have a device uh, document my notes for me when I yeah. am with a patient. And there's a lot of similarity there. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about um, different case scenarios within the um, – healthcare field and how this can be extremely beneficial. And I mean, I can think of a number of them already, but you know, mm-hmm. for, for example, you know, one of the things that I've often said is um, when, when, when I ask my son a question and for example, if I say to him, how was school today? And he says to me, it was great in that tone of voice mm-hmm. versus if, if I say to him, how was school today? And he says to me, it was great. Right. Exactly. It's, it's, it's the same meaning, but, but, but sorry, it's it's got the same words, but the exactly. meaning is completely different. So, so I guess what you're saying is like, how do you, what can you share in terms of how does your technology actually, as as a human, I can tell the difference, but how does the technology, how do the, how do the computers tell that difference? Yeah, uh, so you know, so so I mean, at the core of it, I mean, our engine processes. Uh, audio recording of an interaction, either interaction is happening, streaming mode, or after the fact, and outputs uh, a variety of different things, right? So we go after who spoke when, which is in more technical terms, diarization, and we deduce basic emotions, anger, happiness, sadness, frustration. Uh, we go after uh, specific aspects of uh, tone change, which is the trend of positivity within the duration of a call, essentially. Uh, behaviors like politeness, engagement, uh, you know, uh, agitation, and so uh, at the, I mean, uh, from 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 the uh, from the, from the science perspective, we're focused on tonality. We're focused on tonal and pitch variance. So we're we're less hung up on what is being said. We're uh, we're focused more on sort of the emphasis behind the words. And that tells us a lot. I mean, affect is a complicated science. I mean, we, mm-hmm. uh, which is a technical term for emotions, uh, we, we express affect in, in multitude of ways. We express it on our facial expressions. We express it uh, with our body language. We express it in our, in our tone of voice. Uh, we express it by the words which we're choosing to use. And sometimes we express it by uh, really not saying anything. And so it, it's complicated. And, um, but for us, uh, we're focused on uh, a very a specific piece of expre- affect expression, which is in the tone of our voice. 
And uh, what we have seen is that it is actually a very, um, very impressive indicator. I mean, this is this is something which is uh, really powerful, very underrated. Like, so for example, uh, there was a there was a very interesting uh, study which was uh, which was done, uh, you know, at Yale University uh, by their leading American psychologist, and uh, where. Uh, they, they took a piece of uh, they took a piece of content from YouTube, and so obviously there's audio and there's video, and so they took they took that the content and they they switched the video off or just took the audio piece of it, and they used it to deduce these uh, emotional behavioral signals uh, from from that audio, and they mapped it out, and uh, then then they took the then they turned the video on. And then they then they analyzed both the audio uh, and the videos. So they looked at the facial expressions and uh, the body language of the participant, and uh, added it to the emotional and the behavioral map that they were piecing together. Now the natural expe- expectation there was that hey, uh, when I'm adding those additional data points, in in addition to just processing the the audio piece. Um, I, I should get more accurate. What they found was they actually became less accurate, which meant that hmm. uh, when they were mapping the mapping that map uh, just based on audio, uh, that was a higher score or, or a better read than the, when they were also looking at video and audio. And so it's like, what's going on? Why, why, why is this the case? And so what they realized, and that was sort of the crux of the study, um, and uh, they uh, they sort of uh, deep dived into it, and they realized that that we as humans. Uh, tend to be fairly adept at masking our emotions uh, through our facial expressions. And we, we're, we're trained really well to do that, you know, in a natural workplace and in social settings. And so we're sending out a lot of false alerts uh, in terms of what, we are, what we're actually feeling or how we're actually feeling, um, you know, uh, on our faces and even, even in, uh, through our body language. Uh, but um, we can't really do that very well, um, you know, from the tone of voice. I mean, we suck at hi- hiding how we feel um, in the tone of the voice. And so uh, if you just focus on the tone of the voice, uh, you have a very, very high read of how a, how a person actually feels. Now, you take it a step further. Um, science has also proven that uh, if, I, if, I can, if I can accurately – uh, you know, create an emotional or behavioral map uh, of, uh, of of an interaction, or or sort of uh, you know uh, just decipher the cognitive state of mind of a participant and understand the context of that interaction. I can predict what that person will do in the near future, and in some ways, I could predict intent and how the person's actually going to act. Not necessarily based on what they're saying they will do, but based on how they feel at this moment of time, and uh, what how that that is reflecting in terms of their behaviors in this moment of time. I can actually predict how they're going to act in the near future, and that's powerful and that's magical. So that's some of the areas where we're getting into is uh, intent mapping, which is uh, looking at um, you know uh, sort of uh, some of the some of the present state and predicting a future state. Uh, we you know, I give you a quick example. So uh, we're, um, you know, we're working uh, with uh, collections and banks uh, to predict uh, if a debt holder is going to pay their debt or not pay their debt simply by listening to a voice conversation. And we've been able to do that with a very high level of accuracy. Wow. Uh, but in the same, the same, in the same token, at the same token, 
uh, we're working with another company that is uh, building a software platform to cater with, to patients with depression. Um, uh, and yeah. yeah, and and so they're they're using our technology to predict a propensity for suicidal behavior. That's amazing. And you know what? I, I was going to specifically yeah. ask you about that case scenario because yeah. as a physician and when I think behavior and I think mental health, I'm thinking there are so many times when I'm sitting in an exam room and a patient, we're talking about depression and I'm going through suicide risk and there are specific questions that I ask a patient and sometimes the patient is very forthcoming and sometimes that patient is embarrassed or is withholding that information or they don't want to tell me truly how they're feeling with regards to their suicidal risk and I can ask questions but sometimes what they're saying doesn't actually uh, correspond to how they're feeling and I was going to ask you specifically about that use case so, so yeah please tell me a little more about that. Yeah, so that so that use case uh, is essentially, you know, really driven uh, driven by the same set of paradigms which uh, which we pieced together for uh, these other use cases around intent mapping, whether it is predicting a propensity to buy or uh, pre predicting a propensity to pay. Uh, obviously, those are those are use cases in a business context, but essentially the science behind it is like, hey, here's an interaction. Let me understand the dynamics of this interaction, which is uh, who, who are the participants uh, and, and what are they really talking about in the sense, what's the domain context of it? Let me understand how these participants feel at a moment of time, at a, at a very unique moment of time within that conversation. So, And also how that feel is reflecting into behaviors in that moment of time. And so you're deducing these signals, you're deducing these emotional signals, you're deducing these behavioral signals, and you're piecing it together. And so what we have done is, so the, one of the first uh, sort of implementations we did was towards uh, the collection use case, uh, where we took those signals and we built a very specialized classifier uh, where we were looking to answer that specific binary question on whether the debt holder will pay or not pay. Not a percentage, uh, a binary yes or no. And we found that it was amazingly accurate. So in that particular uh, use case we, we, that that, st that that result was 82% accurate. The prediction was 82% accurate, and it's easy to prove because you could take uh, a batch of calls uh, from the past where the outcomes were known and have the engine predict an outcome and then map it to what actually happened. So you know it's easy to measure that, uh, and so that led us to believe that hey, this this is magical. I mean, where else can we apply it, right? So so the the this application around. Um, the use case around depression is 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 a little bit more challenging because I mean um, it, it it is it is a complicated sort of uh, state of mind to deduce. I mean, as you know, as a physician, uh, you can't necessarily put a finger on when someone's depressed or not. I mean, it, it, there's there's a lot of nuances which sort of uh, go into that. But when you're working on a control base, when you're looking at uh, a set of interactions which are um, in a specific, uh, in a specific context, which you know these are the patients that generally suffer with depression, and these are the type of interactions that that uh, that typically tend to happen. And and you process that, and you add to it the behavioral and the emotional map. You can deduce certain signals that can then lead to predict certain outcomes in terms of how the person's going to act in the near future. So we're keying off those on those specific aspects. 
And we're looking at uh, certain signals that would lead us to believe that, hey, there are some suicidal tendencies and there's a good chance that the person might do something. And uh, we're finding we're finding really amazing things through that. And I think, you know, uh, I can't really share the specifics of the study because it's still very sort of uh, tight wrapped. Uh, but uh, as you would uh, imagine, I mean, the, you know, the, the, the potential is uh, phenomenal. I mean, this is uh, if we're able to solve for that, uh, it, this is this is a big problem. It's a massive problem and it's a really massive unsolved problem. And yeah. so if, uh, that's kind of what gets us really excited in terms of sort of like what's possible yeah. through some of these capabilities. So, yeah, it, it, it really is exciting in terms of how this will be able to help. I've Maybe I'll ask you one more question to finish off. And this, this might be a little bit more yeah. of a challenging question. But, you know, with, with the with the benefit of, of what you're describing, and, and I and – I, and I get it. I, I, trust me, I get it. I'm I'm in the same I'm in the same camp as you. I wonder about and if you've had to um, you know tackle this issue of the ethics behind having a machine listen for the intent in the words that are saying, and what do you do in terms of disclosure to the people that are being listened to, whether it is sort of in that financial sector or or I'm I'm also thinking within the healthcare uh, realm. So you've got a patient. And now you're making clinical decisions, not based on what the patient is saying, but on what the AI is telling you they mean. And how do you reconcile that? Yeah, it, look, it's a very fair question to ask. Uh, there, um, there, there are some uh, implications. Um, and I think, uh, I mean, uh, you know, there's, there's multiple ways to sort of think about that. Uh, there, it's... One way to think about that is like it's it's a tool, it's a capability that, uh, like anything else, uh, has the tendency to be misused, and uh, you, you have to be careful with it. You have to be careful with it that it's uh, essentially, uh, you know, used towards the intended purpose. Um, that being said, I mean, um, one of uh, one of the ways to think about is that you know, in terms of in terms of sort of where we are progressing uh, from a perspective of interacting with machines and interacting with intelligent software systems and uh, relying uh, more and more on them, um, it, you know, are we better off or are we worse off with the systems and with these entities uh, having the ability to be emotionally aware? And that's really, you know, one way to think about that. That's really the question. I mean, is it, is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? And I mean, I um, had this interesting conversation uh, with, uh, with the reporter from MIT Tech Review uh, where this question was asked. And you know, I, uh, I, I quoted uh, a quote from Marvin Minsky, uh, who's, who's done a lot of work in AI uh, back in the day. And uh, one, of the things, uh, one of the things he was asked back in the day is that, you know, should uh, machines be emotionally intelligent? And uh, his answers was, it's not the questions where uh, you know, the machine should be emotionally intelligent or in, in this context, software systems or any inanimate entity. Uh, but can they be considered intelligent if, uh, if, if they don't have ability to process emotions? And so the other, other uh, way to think about this is, uh, let's look at, it, look at this in clinical terms, which you probably enjoy. Um, a, there's a couple of things we can bet on. Right. One is um, that we are going to 
rely more and more on uh, inanimate systems and machines as uh, as as we progress as mm-hmm. as humanity. Uh, it's it's happening, yeah. and uh, that's that's not stopping. It's not changing. Uh, it's a given. So you can bet on that. The second thing you can likely bet on is that these systems are going to become more and more intelligent, amazingly intelligent, and in some forms and in some ways, way more intelligent in terms of specific capabilities than humans. Uh, you know, will they replace humans or not? Or I, hard to say. But definitely, uh, we're going to be relying on these systems, which are going to become very, very intelligent. In fact. Uh, you know, and in, in, in some ways, even more intelligent than us as humans uh, in certain abilities. So with these two truths and these two facts, um, you know, if you're if you're if you're talking to it, if you're working with and you're relying on uh, you know, interaction with an entity that is very, very intelligent, but does not necessarily have the ability to process emotions or have the ability to understand the state of mind, uh, the cognitive state of mind. Um, you know, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Now, um, how, what does that look like uh, in the human context, right? So what is what is sort of the clinical definition of uh, a very intelligent human that does not have the ability to uh, process emotions uh, or, or the cognitive state of, I mean, or, or, the, or the behavioral state of mind? I mean, isn't that a clinical definition of a psychopath? And, uh, hmm. you know, is that... Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, so I think I think there's this sort of you know ways to think about it, but um, that all of that aside, I mean, so I personally I believe that there's uh, there's a magical set of interactions that are waiting to be unraveled uh, in terms of uh, having these abilities be weaved into our uh, interactions or voice interactions with with the systems around us. That that's one, but uh, from an ethics standpoint, from morality standpoint. Um, I, I believe you have to be really careful, uh, and I think I think there's a lot of responsibility uh, on company like ours and others who are uh, you know working in this domain to protect data, to make sure that the data is uh, being used towards the intended purposes. Uh, the you know there is obviously a propensity for misuse, and we have to build capabilities and we have to build in certain measures to make sure uh, that uh, that doesn't happen. And uh, outside of that. I think we have to also remember that a lot of this is still very, uh, very early, uh, early stages of the science. And uh, and the danger always is that, you know, uh, an exuberant company uh, could potentially sort of uh, claim to go apply certain capabilities towards use cases where, uh, you know, where, where the, where the sort of the, the, it, it, it's just not ready for and um, and 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 get uh, get into aspects which cause more problems and I think I think those are those are things which obviously uh, we need to watch out for. Yeah, no, well said. I mean, this is who knows the way this is going to play out when it gets into the uh, the whole uh, ethical um, questions about AI and but you you raise a very very interesting point about you know if if an AI does not have emotion then is it truly AI? And is that, I like that, that question that you posed about, is that the definition of a psychopath? If you don't have, if you don't feel any emotion. So very, very interesting. Hey, Arana, this is a fabulous discussion. Really, really interesting. And you're doing incredible work. I, um, I'm really excited to continue to continue our discussions and maybe we'll have to have you back on the podcast again at a later date. Where can people go to learn more about what you're doing and otherwise connect with you? 
yes, for sure. So I think the best is to go uh, go check out our webpage, which is uh, www.behavioralsignals.com. So it's the behavioral spelling, uh, the medical spelling, so B-E-H-A-V-I-O-R-A-L, signals.com. Um, we... We have an open API program for researchers, for academics, for students who are working on uh, use cases uh, that are uh, sort of at the edge of science and doing some interesting things that are not necessarily intended for commercial use. And we will actually make our technology available to to uh, to, to those uh, to those people for free. And so check it out. I mean, uh, there's a lot of white papers. We do a lot of research. Uh, there's uh, there's a strong research background of the company that we're very proud of. So uh, we continue to publish uh, some some uh, some some a- aspects of research uh, openly out on our website and other places. So that's that's probably the best place to get started. Um, outside of that, you know, feel free to reach out to me directly. Um, I'm fairly active on social media. Uh, you can go to my webpage uh, ranagujral.com or reach out to me on LinkedIn or Twitter. Uh, you know, Facebook, whatever uh, medium that you, that you choose to use. And uh, if there's something that you're working on, which uh, you feel could benefit uh, from from our research and from our from our engines, uh, I'm always excited to collaborate and uh, and discuss it. That is wonderful. Well, well, thanks for that invitation uh, to the listeners, and thank you for your time very, very much uh, on this podcast. I know it's early uh, for you where we are both on the West Coast, and we're chatting early, and I appreciate you making the time to come on. Again, thank you. It's a, it's a, it's a fantastic area that you're working in, and I'm excited to continue to, uh, to connect with you and to follow along with what you're doing. Thank you, Terry. Thank you for having me on the show. It was a real pleasure. Thank you. Well, there you go. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Rana. It is really incredible, the type of technology that he is doing. I love this general area of vocal biomarkers and using sounds of our voice, not the words, but the sounds and being able to interpret meaning from that. And the part where Rana was speaking particularly about suicide uh, risk, I see such a benefit uh, coming from that in the future. So I... That's one area in particular that I'm very, very excited about, and I am looking forward to uh, hearing more about how Behavioral Signals is is tackling this problem. Uh, the links and the contact information for Behavioral Signals and Rana will, of course, be on the show notes page. You can access that at voicefirsthealth.com slash 55, and I encourage you to reach out. Uh, thank him for coming on the podcast, and um, and otherwise connect with him if you're interested in this area. Before I sign off, I do want to mention that coming up very, very shortly, uh, next week, in fact, in Chattanooga as part of Project Voice, myself and a couple of colleagues are running the Voice in Healthcare Boot Camp. This is how to get started with Voice in Healthcare 101. This is on Monday, January 13th. If you think that you would like to attend, please get in touch with me because I may be able to help you out a little bit with your uh, passes when it comes to the uh, boot camp itself. And as well, I'm giving a talk. I'll be part of a panel uh, the next day on Tuesday talking about how Alexa is impacting healthcare. And as well, I will be giving a talk later on that day on flash briefings. And if you don't know, I also have a flash briefing known as Voice First Health Health Tips. So you can look up the Health Tips flash briefing as well. Uh, I look forward to speaking with you again next week. Thank you again for tuning in this week. Thank you again to Rana for a fantastic discussion. And I will see you and talk to you very shortly.